right. How's it going, Reckless? You guys good? How many are freaked out right now? You feel a little weird inside. All right. Hey, it's all good, man. Embrace the creepiness. It's good. Uh, We're glad you guys are here tonight, and um, as that creepy video just showed, we are starting a brand new series that we're calling Strings. And so, man, it is, it's October, so Halloween's coming up in a few weeks, um, you know, which means a lot of candy, but it also means, you know, getting freaked out a little bit, going to crazy haunted houses. How many of you guys have already gone to a haunted house this year? (laughs) What is wrong with you? All right. So you're super into Halloween, but man, that's the, this is the time of year we're in, right? So we're doing a series uh, called Strings, and we got creepy videos, and we got creepy dolls above my head, and there's just all kinds of just creepiness going on. So best thing you can do is just embrace it over these next few weeks. Maybe that freaks you out. Maybe the thought of like somebody staring at you or like the eyes moving or whatever just freaks you out, but it's all good. So we're going to have a lot of fun over these next few weeks, so I definitely am going to encourage you guys not to miss any week, um, and, and not so much for the creepiness, not because of the crazy videos or the weird dolls, but, but more than that because of what we're going to be talking about. And um, there's, a very, there's a purpose, believe it or not, behind this series, and that is to ask a question and hopefully to provide some, some truth and answers t- to that question. And so... The question we want to pose to you is the same one you just saw in the video, um, and in the, in the promo video that we showed last week, and that's the question of what controls you? What is it that controls you? Now, when you, um, I mean, just look at the, the dolls we've got above us, the puppets or the marionettes is the, the correct phrase uh, or term for it. So um, I, I really tried to find the creepiest that I could possibly find, and I think I was pretty successful. So Cody Harmon today was putting these up, and he was getting freaked out. Um, he started crying a little bit, but he's, he's better now. So, um, but just picture this, all right? If you can, just, imp- again, embrace the creepiness. You've got puppets on a string, all right? There is these puppets whose motions are controlled by something else, all right, or someone else. Now, rather than just kind of look at that and go, man, that doll is creeping me out right now, I want you to more look at yourself as like that puppet on a string. When we're talking about control, what is it that controls you? Of you over these next few weeks as we go through this series of being, being able to think about what are the things that control you and looking at yourself like one of these puppets on a string. Because when it comes to things that control us, Here's the reality. Here's what I want us to understand tonight as as we get started. All of us are controlled by something. All of us are controlled. There are, for all of us in this room, it can be different things, but all of us have things that are dictating what we do and the things that we say and the, the intentions that we have and the decisions that we make. All of us are controlled by something. Now, you may think tonight that you have all the freedom in the world. You may think that you can determine what you do and where you go and that you've got the freedom to be able to do that. But the truth is, you and I are controlled by something. You and I are like these puppets on a string. Something or someone else is dictating what we do and where we go and the things that we believe. 
In fact, for all of us in the room, what we've got to understand tonight is that sin, all of us are born into sin. All of us are impacted by this. So all of us, the Bible says, are all controlled by sin. All of us are, have our hands and our feet and our mouths and our um, minds and everything controlled by sin. So the question isn't necessarily, are you controlled? It's what controls you. Now tonight, what we're gonna talk about, and over the next, next few weeks, we're gonna look at those bigger things that I think a lot of us are controlled by. And so tonight, what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at probably what I believe is the most dangerous and probably one of the most destructive things that controls us. Something that, what, one of the things that makes it so destructive is the fact that it's subtle. Is that this thing can control us a lot of times and we have no idea that it controls us. We think we're good, we think we've got freedom and yet all along this thing is pulling our strings. And it's like a a cancer that eats away at us inside and yet outwardly we think that we're okay. It's so subtle and that's what makes it so dangerous. And the thing that we're gonna be talking about tonight is a thing called pride. Now, what is pride? Here's the definition of pride. Pride is having a high opinion of one's own importance, merit, or superiority. All right? So simply put, it's someone that thinks they're all that. All right? How many of you guys know of somebody that thinks they're all that? (laughs) How many of you are that person? (laughs) All of a sudden, the hands went down. No, not me. Right, that's the definition of pride is someone that is, is arrogant, someone that thinks highly of themselves, someone that looks at themselves as superior to other people. Now, the interesting thing is that someone who is prideful or arrogant has a higher opinion of themselves than they should and a lower opinion of other people than they should. I mean, they think higher of themselves than they should and they think lower of people than they should. And it can be one or the other, but man, when you put the two together, it can be really destructive. And so many of us struggle with this thing called pride. Now it can impact big decisions, it can impact little things, but here's what C.S. Lewis and there's other people called pride the great sin. All right, now I don't know how many of us, if we were to list off the sins, like especially those that we think are the worst, I don't know that many of us would throw pride out as the greatest sin. And yet, that's what some very godly people in the past have said. This is known as the great sin. I mean, you show me pain, you show me brokenness, you show me destruction or, dis- or um, any kind of, of destructive behavior in someone's life, and chances are that pride is a big part of that. That pride is a big part of that. You look at our government and what's going on right now, all right, and this ridiculous shutdown. Why is there so much dysfunction in Washington? Because of pride, right? And we're not getting political here. Pride on both sides, pride on both parties. I mean, it is, it is pride and arrogance in a lot of people in Washington that has led us to the place that we're at of just complete dysfunction. There's so many of us that, that struggle and wrestle with pride. You look at the Bible. I mean, the, the Bible tells story after story of men and women who thought that because of their own self-arrogance, because of their own pride, 
They thought that they could figure things out or that their way was more important than God's. And because they chose that, because they decided that in their mind, it led to a lot of suffering, not only for themselves, but for other people as well. The truth is pride is destructive. Listen to what Proverbs 16, 18 says. It says, pride leads to destruction. A proud attitude brings ruin. Or the message version of that verse says, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Now, you may sit there and think, I don't really struggle with pride all that much. I mean, if you, you may say, man, I've got a lot of things that I struggle with, but I don't really think pride is one of them. And in all honesty, man, that's a pretty arrogant thing to say, that I don't really struggle with pride, that's not an issue for me. See, the, the truth for all of us tonight, what we've got to be able to understand is that it's not an issue of whether or not we struggle with pride. The issue is how much is pride impacting our life? It's not a question of yes or no, it's a question of how much. How much has pride taken over our heart and impacted the way that we live? Now, I wanna be able to give you just a a few things in your notes tonight. We're talking about strings, we're talking about being controlled. And so it's important for us to be able to say, what, what does this look like? And maybe for some of us in the room, they're like, man, I don't really struggle with this. How do I, you know, I don't really struggle with pride. It's not a big issue for me. What are those warning signs? What are those things that we can put our, point our finger at and go, man, this, that's real in my life. That's, a, that's, a, that's evidence or that's proof that I am being controlled by pride. What are those ways? How are we controlled by this thing called pride? So there's a few things. We're going to go through them real quick. Uh, I would encourage you guys to write these down. Here's the first one. We're controlled by pride because it causes us to view ourselves as better than others. All right, pride causes us to view ourselves as better than others. Man, we're good at this, aren't we? We compare ourselves to other people all the time. We look at other people and we compare other people to ourselves. And maybe we look at, it, at you know, how smart we are, how well we do in school academically, and so we compare ourselves to other people in that, in that aspect. Maybe we're gifted athletically, and so on a sport field or whatever, we're able to compare ourselves to other people and look down at other people who aren't as good as we are. There's all kinds of different ways in which we're really good. I mean, we look at appearances. Um, We're really, really good at comparing ourselves to other people. And the reason we do it is not so that we can feel horrible about ourselves. The reason we do it so much is so that we can feel better about ourselves. Yeah, well, I'm better than that person is at that thing, or man, I'm, I'm, I'm better than that person is, and so we, we, we play the comparison game. And what ends up happening is we look down our noses at other people because they're not as good at, at the things that we're as good at. And that's an issue of pride, is we're, pride has overtaken us, and it's caused us to have a higher opinion of ourselves, to view ourselves as better than other people. Another reason or way that we're controlled by pride, is that it it makes us crave the approval of others at any cost. It makes us crave the approval of others at any cost. Man, attention feels good. Praise feels good. And so we're, we're always looking for the approval of other people. And the more we receive it, the more we, we crave it, and the more we desire it, and the more we'll start to do things that will dictate that. And So we start desiring attention from other people. We want that. We crave that. 
And so what ends up happening is that we feel like we can't live without it. We've gotten so accustomed to it, we've become so dependent on it that we start doing things that we wouldn't normally do. It used to be that we could get approval from other people just for things that we like to do. But then when that doesn't work, then we start changing our behavior. And we start thinking, well, how would, I get, how would this, this person feel about this? Or how would this impact their approval of me? Or man, if I did this thing, then other people would accept me. And what ends up happening is pride starts to control us and it starts dictating our actions. And all of a sudden we look at our life and we're doing all of these things that we would never normally do, but we do them because we feel like we need it in order to get approval from other people. Pride has controlled us into seeking the approval of others no matter what the cost. Another thing that it does, and this is huge, is that it keeps us from giving and receiving forgiveness. Now, do you want to you want to wonder whether or not pride is an issue in your life? Look at the area of forgiveness. How quick are you to forgive other people that have wronged you? Are you the kind of person that holds grudges? Are you the kind of person when you've been wronged, when somebody has done something bad to you or has hurt you, are you the, the type of person that holds on to that? Are you the kind of person that is seeking revenge? That rather than offering forgiveness, man, you're looking for that opportunity to get even. And you don't want them to receive forgiveness because that means you putting your pride aside. That means that you've got to forgive them and they've wronged you and you want justice. You want, you want to make sure that they get their payback for what they've done to you. And if we refuse forgiveness from people, that's a really good test to see whether or not pride is an issue in our life. Are we willing to give forgiveness and even are we willing to receive forgiveness when somebody asks for it? The truth is pride and forgiveness cannot coexist. It is impossible to to be filled with, with pride and arrogance and yet to still be willing to forgive other people. The fourth thing is that it manipulates us into doing things for our own benefit. It manipulates us into doing things for our own benefit. So look at, other, look at areas of your life. Maybe you're gifted athletically. And um, all of a sudden you start, rather than when you're on that sport field or you're on the court or whatever, rather than looking for the win or that being the most important thing or being about the team, man, you're, you're, you're self-seeking. You're interested in how you can benefit from this. Man, are other people gonna be impressed with how good I am or am I gonna receive this praise from this person? Or man, are they gonna see how many points I scored or this kind of thing? And so all of a sudden, what becomes most important is how you can benefit from it. Now, I've got a a buddy who, um, I'm gonna protect his name, but uh, it rhymes with Shmeevy Schmackhart. And um, this guy, Shmeevy, and I, we, uh, we played church league softball. All right, it's really important. We're, we're kind of a big deal. And uh, we represent Westridge, what up? And uh, so we, we play church league softball on Thursday nights, all right, if you ever want to come out and support us. And um, so a couple weeks ago, Shmeevy and I were talking, and, and I'm like, we, somehow we got onto the issue of taking a walk. And 
He said, I will never, ever, ever take a walk in church league softball. He's like, I've paid 60 bucks to play every single week, and it is slow pitch softball, and there's no way I'm stepping up there, and I'm going to take a walk if a pitcher walks me. He's like, I don't care if they roll the ball across the plate. I'm swinging at that thing if I've got three balls on me. And so I'm listening to this. I'm like, you're insane. Are you crazy? So we start playing all these scenarios. All right, what if it's, you know, you, you need to get on and the next guy hits a home run and, and now it's a tie game. I don't care. Not, not taking a walk. All right, what if, um, you know, it's the bottom of the, of the ninth and it's a tie game and you take a walk and that walks in the winning run. Uh, I don't care. I'm not going to do it. I am not taking a walk. I will swing at any pitch until I get the pitch that I want and then I hit it. And I'm just like, I'm looking at that, I'm like, dude, you're a prideful, that's, that's a pretty prideful thing. Now, I'm, I'm busting his chops a little bit, um, and that's kind of a, just a, an opportunity for me to make fun of him. But the truth is, a lot of us, sometimes we think that way, all right? We think, whether, if it's on the sports field, we think, man, how am I going to be, um, I, I'm self-seeking, how am I going to benefit from this? Um, maybe it's when it comes to our appearance. Again, so we think about, man, how can I benefit from the way that I dress. Or man, when it comes to getting good grades at school, we're thinking about, man, if I do this, then other people are gonna be happy with me. Man, if I can get in the top 10% of my class, or man, if I can get valedictorian, man, so many people are gonna be impressed with what I can accomplish. Maybe we dress a certain way. Maybe we wanna be in a relationship because we feel like it's gonna give us what we want. Maybe even there's some of us that follow God and make decisions every single day in our relationship with Jesus. Not based on how can God get the glory, but how can I personally benefit from this? And I think this is an area, if we were honest enough, we're guilty of this. Man, we think when it comes to forgiveness, man, forgiveness sounds good, I'd love to be forgiven. So all of a sudden it becomes about what we can receive from God as opposed to how God can be glorified in our life. Or man, I don't know if, if, um, man, if I share my faith, I'm not sure that I can, um, I'll, I'll really get, I'll really benefit from that. I mean, I might, might get made fun of or picked on or whatever, so I'm not willing to do that. Or we, we think about maybe even dropping money in the, in, the, uh, in the well for Nicaragua. And man, I, you know, I wanna be able to walk across that room and other people to see how, how much I give or the fact that I'm giving, and it's gonna make me look good. And so we start determining in our mind when it comes to our relationship with God, we make decisions all the time. Am I gonna benefit from this? Is this gonna be for my own gain rather than is this, does this bring glory to God? See, the truth is if we dig deep enough, we'll find that pride is a constant presence in our lives and it is always working to control our intentions, our decisions, and our lives. Listen to what 1 John 2, 16 and 17 says. It says, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our accomplishments and our possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from the world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. And here's the last thing that pride does. It deceives us into thinking that we don't need God. Now, of all of the ones that, list, that, that we are, are talking about tonight, this is the one that's the biggest deal. Pride deceives us into thinking that we don't need God. Here's the most dangerous thing about pride, is that it tries to put us on the throne. 
It tries to make us God. It's, it desires for us to be worshiped. It desires for us to receive all of the praise and all of the glory. Pride wants to make us God. And so we start desiring what we want and we start desiring to, to be in control. And we start looking at God and we go, I don't really need God. I can do things on my own. I can handle things myself. You know, maybe we even arrogantly feel like I could, I could, if I was God, I could do a much better job of this. Man, I look at the world and how screwed up it is. Man, I feel like if I was in control, I could fix things a whole lot better than what God's doing. Or we look at our own lives and we say, man, God, if I was in control of this thing, And it would be so much better. I wouldn't have all this pain. It wouldn't be this brokenness in my life. And we start looking at God as if we don't need him. Here's the thing about that. You and I make lousy gods. You and I were never created to be worshipped. We can't handle it. We were never intended to receive praise and glory and honor. We were never designed to be worshipped. And all that does is cause more destruction in our life because we desire more of it and we think higher of ourselves. And we start desiring the things that really only belong to God. Man, you, you go back to the beginning and how Satan had his downfall. What was it about? It was about pride. Satan was created as second in command, all right? He was one of the most beautiful created beings that that ever existed, that there was at that time. All right, he had all the power, and yet here was the thing. Satan didn't want to be second to God. He wanted to be God. He wasn't content with, with being one of the most beautiful created beings. He looked at God and sitting, sitting on the throne and he said, I want what you have. I want to be you. And it was because of pride that it led to his downfall. And the truth is, you and I all the time, if we live with that mindset and that attitude that we can do without God, then we've allowed pride to overtake our heart. We've allowed pride to control us. We've allowed pride to dictate our actions and, and our thoughts and what we believe. When we think that we don't need God, that's one of the most dangerous places that you and I could ever be in. Now, in Luke 18, Jesus tells a story that I think perfectly illustrates this. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open it for just a minute to Luke chapter 18. And he illustrates how dangerous this thing called pride is. And here's what he says. It says, Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. He said, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. And I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this sinner and not the Pharisee 
returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Man, I love this story. Jesus paints such an incredible contrast between this Pharisee who looks down his nose, who's puffed up with this spiritual pride, who looks at everyone else, and especially this tax collector, and he's patting himself on the back and thinking, man, I'm, I'm doing such an incredible job. Man, look at me. Man, I, I fast. Man, I tithe. I do all these things. Man, I tell people about God. Man, I, I, I'm in, the, in church every time the doors are open. Man, I'm such an incredible Christian. I'm such an incredible person. And yet the interesting thing is that it's the tax collector, the sinner, the one who beats his chest, who humbles himself, and God, God, would you have mercy on me? God, I am a complete sinner. God, I fall short. God, I fail. It is the one who humbled himself before God that was justified. And you see from this passage how dangerous spiritual pride is. It causes us to have a wrong view of who we are. It causes us to have a wrong view of other people. And it also causes us to come to God with this arrogant attitude. And God, certainly you'll answer my prayers because of how holy I am. Certainly you'll do this for me. Certainly I know that I'm deserving of your grace and your love. God, I've done so much for you. God, I know that you're sitting up in heaven and you're so impressed with all of the things that I do. And God looks at that and he goes, that means nothing to me. You are so filled with pride that I don't even hear your prayers. Jesus says when the, when the person, when, when you and I come to him in humility and we go, God, I am not worthy of you. God, I'm unworthy of your love. I'm unworthy of your forgiveness. God, I'm desperately in need of you. God, I could never take another breath without you. God is the one that looks at those prayers and those people and said, it is you that is justified. Those who humble themselves will be exalted, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Now here's what I love about this verse. Here's the interesting thing, don't miss this. Everyone at some point will be humbled. You and I either have the opportunity to choose to humble ourselves or humility will be chosen for us. But one way or another, for all of us, humility will come. Now, that ought to smack whatever pride that we've got in our heart right in the face. To think that there will be a day where we will stand before God and we will give an account for how we live, we will give an account for our attitudes, we will give an account for the motivations that we've had and the decisions that we've made. And either right now we can choose to humble ourselves and live with humility and dependence on God or at some point one day the time will come where we will be humbled and it will not be a pretty thing. Either we can choose humility or it will be chosen for us but humility will come. I mean you think about, um, I'll give you a, a couple of examples of this. You think about, if you've ever been, we're in Halloween, so you think about Haunted House. All right, you think about, how many of you guys, there's always, when there's a group of you guys that go through a Haunted House, there's always that guy, normally it's the guy, who's like, man, I ain't, I ain't afraid of nothing. 
man, I got this. Hey, you guys, just follow me. I'll take the lead on this. Man, it's all good. I'm not afraid. And, and they, you know, they're, they're the prideful one, right? Oh, man, I've seen everything. I've been to these. I go to these things all the time. This ain't going to hurt me. And then what happens? They're leading the charge, and all of a sudden, some clown jumps out of the, out of the corner, and they go screaming like a little child. All right? It always happens. Trust me, I worked at haunted houses when I was in college, and I saw it. And I got slapped in the face, and I got spit on, and I got all kinds of stuff. But I saw a lot of arrogant people who walked in those things thinking nothing could scare them, and they almost peed themselves. Humility was chosen for them. A couple, I got to share this story. A couple, um, Friday night, if you guys were, uh, East Paulding did the Harlem Wizards. All right, and I'm like, I'm not any good at basketball. I can jump. That's about it. Um, so I'm like, all right, let's go play basketball. This will be fun, man. And so I'm, try- I'm trying to, and I'm joking, but I'm trying to talk trash a little bit to the Harlem Wizard guys before, and I'm trying to do the stare down, you know, we're going to take you tonight. And everybody's saying, you're going to lose by 100. And so about a few minutes into, um, into the game, they start doing this bit with me. And... Um, and he's like, hey, I'm a whole, he starts holding the ball over my head. And he's like, hey, come on, you can't get this. And so I'm kind of messing around. I'm trying to get the ball. And then all of a sudden he goes, hey, come on, Screech. <laughs> hey, Screech, man, I loved you and Saved by the Bell, dude. You were awesome. Screech, you were my favorite person. I'm like, I will straight up punch you in the face right now. <laughs> Don't you call me Screech. And then, you know, the, the, the bit continues you know, I, I just steal the ball. They tackle me, untie my shoes. They're like, oh, you look sloppy here. As you're taking free throws, let me show you how to do this. So then they, they're like, hey, you got to tuck your shirt in. So I tuck my shirt in. I, I'm kind of messing around. I pull my pants up a little bit. And they're like, oh, no, 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 you got this. So two Harlem Wizards come up, and there's, I don't know, a few hundred people in the stands. And they jack my pants up underneath my armpits. And my kids are in the stands and they're getting mad. You know, they don't know it's a, it's a little bit of a joke or whatever. And so they're getting mad and my wife's filming and, and my kids are like, don't, no, turn that off. They're being mean to daddy. Don't, don't let them do that. And so the bit continues and all that kind of stuff. And the, the, the point is, humility was chosen for me. Right? Humility was chosen for me. Humility came. Let me give you one more example. We've got a video here that... Um, that is, is perfect, all right, that talks about how quickly pride can go to humility. So go ahead and roll this, and um, we'll do a little play-by-play. Let me, let me set this up a little bit. All right, it's a tie game. This is a basketball game over in, um, in Europe. So it's a tie game. They're taking a free throw. Um, there's just a few seconds left in the game. Go ahead. All right. So he misses the free throw. Now watch this. Boom, game-winning shot. Yeah, I'm going to take my jersey off. We won this. Let's celebrate. What's up? I'm awesome. I'm amazing. There's .6 seconds left on the clock. Everybody's celebrating. And then... What just happened? All of a sudden, the crowd shuts up. They're not celebrating anymore. They're looking at each other like, wait, what? Did that count? What happened? What happened? Now, 
Again, humility was chosen for them. Now, don't miss this. Just some, some funny examples, but, but don't miss the truth in this. Jesus says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. You and I have a decision to make. Pride controls us. Pride wants to impact every decision that we make. And if we're honest enough with ourselves, if we're vulnerable enough to look at our lives, we'll see traces of pride all through our lives and the decisions that we make. And what the verses that we read tonight talk about is that pride leads to destruction. It doesn't lead where we think it's gonna lead us to. And we can have arrogance and we can think that we're better than other people and we can walk around with our chest held high, or, you know, our chest high and our head held high. We can think that we're great and we're important and we're, we matter. And yet, at, at some point, humility is gonna come. We've got a decision to make. Either we humble ourselves or humility will be chosen for us. Wouldn't it be much easier for us to choose humility to seek God's glory instead of having it chosen for us? Isaiah, Isaiah 2.11 says, human pride will be brought down and human arrogance will be humbled. Only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment. Here's the main point for us tonight. Humility comes from having the proper view of yourself. Or excuse me, I messed it up. Freedom, freedom from pride comes when we humble ourselves and admit our desperate need for God. Freedom from pride comes when we humble ourselves and admit our desperate need for God. Man, you guys want the strings cut, the strings of pride cut in your life. Do you want pr- freedom from pride and arrogance and the destruction that it brings? The answer for us is to humble ourselves before God, to admit our need every single day for him, and he will lift us up. We live with dependence on God and we humble ourselves and that will help us overcome pride. See, the antidote to pride is humility. Now, humility is not weakness, all right? Humility doesn't mean that we're a bunch of wusses that walk around. Humility comes from having the proper view of yourself in light of the proper view of God. When we have the proper view of God, when we understand that he alone is worthy of praise, when he is the creator, he is the sustainer, he is the only one that can receive praise and glory. And in light of that, we understand that we are human, that we fall short, that we have sin in our life. We have a proper view of our place. When we have that proper view of God and the proper view of ourselves, that's how we experience humility. When we understand that, it's really hard for pride to enter into our hearts and our lives because we understand that we are unworthy and we understand our desperate need for God every single day. And it becomes the way that we live our lives. Man, why is humility, as we close tonight, why, do you, why is humility such a big deal to God? And why humility ought to be such a big deal to us? Because it was God who demonstrated the ultimate sign of humility. 
It was God who loved you and I enough in the midst of our pride and our sin and our arrogance and who sent his son Jesus in the ultimate picture of humility, who gave up heaven and came and humbled himself and was scorned and took on our sin, who bled and died and took on the punishment that you and I deserve to pay so that we could go free. Man, that's why humility is such a big deal because God demonstrated it for us. And maybe for some of us in the room, that's the starting point for us. Maybe we've gotta look and say, you know what, I've never experienced the freedom that God's offered me through the cross because I've failed to understand how, how incredible of a picture it is that Jesus humbled himself for us. And in order for us to experience freedom from pride, to have these, these strings cut, we've gotta understand that Jesus came and he died for us and offered us forgiveness through the cross. And we humble ourselves and we admit our need for God and we receive the forgiveness that Jesus offered us through the cross and allow God to cut the strings of pride in our life and we start living with dependence on God. We start humbling ourselves before him. And rather than walking around and patting ourselves on the back or walking around with arrogant attitudes, we understand, you know what, I am nothing without God. And that's the key for us to experience humility in our lives. To be free from from pride is to humble ourselves and live every single day in desperate need of God. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would, um, God, just help us to be honest with ourselves. God, maybe the easy thing for us is to say, man, I don't really struggle with this. This is an issue for my life. I don't wrestle with pride, but the truth is, God, if we are honest enough, if we look at our life, there are traces of pride all throughout. Pride is so good at trying to control our decisions, to dictate the things that we do, to impact the decisions that we make, that we desire to receive the glory, that we want to receive praise from other people that we're, we're slow to, for, to offer and receive forgiveness. And we constantly try to put ourselves on the throne and think higher of ourselves than we should and look at, our, look at you as if we don't need you. God, I pray that you would break us from, from that. God, I pray that you would enable us to experience the freedom from pride that you desire for us to experience. Understand that it leads to destruction, but you have come to offer us freedom. So God, we love you, we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.